Well, good morning again. Good morning again. Um, yeah, I mentioned during worship so just challenges and struggles, kind of the hardship of life, right? There's a lot of tough things that go on, and navigating them can be really challenging. And the next two sections of the, we've been preaching through the, the Sermon on the Mount, and the next two sections, I think, might be some of the most challenging um, things that Jesus said. I think to really like get into and be like, oh man, how do I actually apply this into my life? These next two sections are amazingly challenging. So buckle up. We're going to ride through these together. Um, today's text is uh, Matthew 5, 38 through 42. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other side. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, Go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one whom would borrow from you. Let's pray. Lord God, I just pray that you would just walk us through this today, or that you would be teaching us what it looks like in our own lives to apply these principles. God, how to use good, godly discernment, how to surrender retaliation and vengeance to you alone. And Lord, how we can give and give and give and give. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jesus starts this off with, you have heard it said. And this is something that we've seen now for a number of weeks. And it is Basically, he is making reference to what the Pharisees have taught them. You've heard them say this, but I'm going to tell you that. And so we've heard this a number of times. And at the start of this, he says, You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That seems pretty brutal, right? When we think about it, if you ever hear someone say that, you're like, boy, that seems brutal. Um, what if I accidentally took his eye? You know, I mean, that'd be a trick. But hey, you know, so, so it's just like a, a lot of things to think about. Wow, that is, a, that is a brutal statement. Well, this was found in the law, and it was written way, way, way back during Babylon, I believe, is when it's first recorded. And it's, kind of, it, it's referred to as the Lexus Talionis, I think. I might be saying that completely wrong but you probably don't know. Um, and so it's known as the law for, of tit for tat. And the, the point was that before you had, this is, is one of the first, even though it seems absolutely brutal, it is one of society's first amazing movements of mercy. Because before we had this type of order, if uh, Ben Stoffer came and slapped Colin Reardon in the face, 
Colin would grab his brother and say, let's go beat down Ben Stoffer. And so we'd go beat down Ben Stoffer. Well, then Ben would grab all his farm hands. They'd beat my whole family up. Then I'm having to go and get some more buddies, and we're beating, you know, the farm up, some cows, you know, who knows? It's getting really rowdy. So they implemented this concept, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And the, the, the point, the placement, was to keep men's vengeance in check. Because if people's vengeance is not kept in check, they do some pretty ridiculous things in the name of justice. Yikes. And so this law was put in place. To, in, through Jewish history, it was not typically carried out literally because that got into issues. Did he take a bad eye? Are we taking a good eye? Uh. And so usually a judge used this concept to weigh out how to exact justice correctly. But despite it feeling amazingly brutal, it was an amazing move of mercy. And that's important as we look at this. It's something that, as Jesus is saying, an eye, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. He's referring to something that was put in place to keep vengeance in check. He's like, I'm going to take this a step further. I'm going to take it a step further. So he says in, in, in 39, he says this, But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Again, in the context of Jewish, like the Jewish customs, to slap somebody, so, so if it's my right cheek, I'd pick on a costume, but they might feel bad. Martin, come on up here, brother. I don't feel bad picking on you. Come on up here. Are you right-handed? Okay. How are you going to slap me in the right cheek with your strong hand? You going to do that? Yeah, I'd, I'd do this. Yeah? Okay. Boom, I'd backhand you. Okay? Thank you, Martin. Okay. When Jesus is talking about hitting on the right cheek, you could kind of like do, I mean, Martin obviously is not as familiar with slapping people as I am, but like, <laughs> that's a good thing. God bless you, Martin. But this concept of backhanding in Jewish society was twice, two times the insult of an open-handed slap. Isn't that interesting? Two times the insult. So what's Jesus saying here? He's saying that if someone delivers the most deadly and calculated insult to us, we are not to retaliate. Whew, it's got some weight, yeah? Let's keep moving. <clears throat> Verse 40. And then if... Anyone would sue you and take your tunic. Let him have your cloak as well. I got to share this text in men's prayer. It was awesome. And getting to hear their feedback was super helpful. If I had a good memory, I could have used so much of that information. <laughs> but it was all gone, like almost instantaneously. Sorry, Josh, I'm sure you contributed a whole bunch. I could have been like, man, Josh was bringing the word. Instead, I'm like, I don't remember what anyone said. I'm doing my best. So 
This concept of taking a tunic and letting him have your cloak, there's a lot to this as well. Once again, Jesus is talking to people that know the customs and know the, what rights they have. For, the, for most Jews, they had two tunics and they had one cloak. By Jewish law, no one could take your cloak because your cloak was what kept you alive. When they got cold at night, your cloak was your blanket. When, when, you know, it was something that protected you from the elements, and you only had one, and it could not be taken. It was your right to have it. A tunic, you had two. And oftentimes, uh, someone might take their tunic and give it to someone else and say, listen, dude, like, I'm going to give you that thing I told you I'm going to give you. Hold on to this because I do need it, and I'll be back. I'll give you what, what I said I'd do, and then you give me my tunic back. And that was, that was common, to give your tunic. But to give your cloak, it was your right. You never gave away your cloak. That's how you live. So what's Jesus saying here? If someone's going to sue you and take your tunic, give them your rights. Give them all of it. There's nothing that you have that they can't have. There's no law that says you need to have this, that, and the other thing that I'm telling you right now you can't give. Oof. Let's keep going. If anyone forces you to go one mile, this is verse 41, forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. I think it's very hard for us to comprehend this concept of being forced to do much of anything, <clears throat> to be honest. Uh, you can be told to do stuff, and then you just don't do it. What's the worst that's going to happen? Well, I might lose my job. might not pass that class. But this concept of being forced, I think, is pretty alien. And it wouldn't have been alien to the Jews. They were uh, occupied by Rome. So any Roman soldier could come up and say, hey, do this thing. You're going to do this thing for me. It, could, it, was, it was called to be compelled. And what the soldiers would do is they'd lay the flat end of their spear on the shoulder of the Jewish individual, and then they were compelled to do whatever that soldier said they needed to do. A Roman soldier did that to Simon to compel him to carry Christ's cross. It's believed. So what's Jesus saying here? It's hard to wrap our mind around this, but if we were to be forced, we don't receive that very well. But if we were to be forced to do something, we're not only to do it, but we're to go beyond doing it and to do it cheerfully. William Barclay puts it this way. He's a theologian that I enjoy reading. Uh, the Christian thinks not of his rights, but of his duties, not of his privileges, but of his responsibilities. It's a lot to process, right? Let's recap. So Jesus has said, there's this law that was put into place to keep people from exacting vengeance. It's where it begins. In Romans, Paul, Romans 12, 19, Paul says this, Beloved, Never avenge yourselves, 
But leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you heap burning coals on his head. Do not become overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Vengeance is mine. So Jesus is addressing the law that has been put in place to keep the vengeance of man in, to harness it, to make sure it doesn't get out of control. And Jesus says, there is no place for vengeance. None. Not even the most deadliest insult. Not the removal of your rights. Being forced to do things. Slavery. That is a hard pill to swallow, right? It is for me. I don't know about for you. What do you think? Is that a hard pill to swallow? How do we do that? How do we do that? I made reference to this a little bit earlier, but in Romans 5.10 it says this, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more have we been reconciled. We shall be saved. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. If God saved us, reconciled us, came and took care of us when we were enemies, what place is there for us accepting that reconciliation to not give it? Yeah? So the answer to how do we do this is good news and bad news. It's impossible. But by the grace of God. Okay? This is so countercultural. We talk about being the salt and the light. Here's a clear path to us being just that. Aaron, that's depressing. My tone was depressing because it's really overwhelming. It really is. I can't fathom it. But this morning, waking up with the story I told you about the earrings, no, not that story, with the story I told you about being thankful, that is also unfathomable. That is not in our nature to face turmoil and to see destruction and to see hurt and to see pain, to see brother fighting brother, to see sister punching sister, to have brother punching you. It's not in our nature to receive that and be thankful. But because of God's grace, I can be. I can be. And I was this morning. And I'm working on it now. Got to get back there. No. <laughs> but it's tough. It's tough. So, how can you lighten this up a little bit, man, before we spend some time in prayer? All right. Hand over vengeance to God. Okay? That's where we're going to begin. That's a great blessing. Hand over vengeance to God. Retaliation, vengeance to God. I think the hardest thing for many of us, I know it's a hard thing for me, certainly. I butt up against this all the time. Anyway, maybe we can get an amen to like if anyone else feels this way sometimes. But for me, 
one of the reasons, one of the hardest reasons to do this is because I think if I don't retaliate, if I don't do something about this to make it right, to bring justice, then they're going to get away with murder. If I don't do this, they're going to get away with this, or they're going to get away with that. I have to do something. No one gets away with murder. No one or anything else. So, let us join together, handing vengeance over to God. Don't fall victim to the lie that justice will not be done. Because either that justice was served on the cross, and we can't improve that, or that justice will be served on judgment day, and we can't improve that either. Don't worry about vengeance. Worry about what you can do to give out of an abundance, to bless out of an abundance. Find that place in your heart that if somebody hurts you, you can give to them. And it's not going to be easy. But that's why we've got a family. We can encourage each other. We can build each other up. We can learn and grow to do this together. Amen? It's kind of gloomy, so let's sing a song. And then I'll let you guys pray. This is really important, though. And I think that if you go through this week, you read this text and the next section, which is about loving enemies. That is powerful stuff and hard, tricky to balance. It requires discernment. So it's a good place for us to look at. So I'd encourage you this week, take a look at it. And if someplace in here you're like, man, that didn't make any sense. Let's talk about it or talk to someone else about it, but I'd love to talk about it. Amen.